Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Once again, I am joined with my amazing family. Hi. Saw Hi. King, Victorious Victor, and my beautiful wife, Candy. And we are continuing our way through Matthew. We're going to be starting in chapter 10 today. And we're going to be reading it in the New Living Translation. So, this will be Matthew Part 2. And I will start in chapter 10. You guys ready? Yes. Yeah. Here we go. Chapter 10. This is where Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. So so far in this chapter, we've read a lot about the amazing things that Jesus has been doing, right? Yeah. Now we're going to see how Jesus makes us disciples and we can do the same things Jesus can do. So let's read. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First was Simon, who was called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. James, the son of Zebedee. John, James's brother. Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus. <laughs> That's another funny name. Yeah. And Titius, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who would later betray hey, him. Dad. What? Um, those two names from somebody left in YouTube. Name is unspeakable. Really? Those are YouTube names? And his cat's name is Simon, but his right. name is James. All right, let's get back to the Bible. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles and with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, and give freely as you have received. Isn't that cool? So that's what Jesus commanded his disciples to do. Yeah, it's cool. Cast out spirits, heal the sick, Cure people of leprosy. That's one of the worst diseases on earth. And Jesus had his disciples cure them. Yeah. At that time, absolutely. Still. Don't take any money in your money belts. No gold or silver or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a charge with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter a city or a village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. That's amazing. Yeah. God said you don't have to overthink things. Don't pack. Don't do all this. Right. Don't even worry about where you're staying. Have faith in me. Walk the journey. When you enter the home, 
give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such towns on the day of judgment day. Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be handed over to courts and will be flogged with whips and in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and the unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures until the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. Students are not greater than a teacher, and slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher, and slaves are to be like their master. But since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called even worse names. So Jesus' believers are going to be called bad names. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything is covered that's covered will be revealed, and all that is secret will be known to all. For I tell you, now is the darkness. Now in the darkness, shout abroad when daylight comes. When I whisper in your ear, shout from the rooftops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both your soul and your body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But, but God... Hold on one second. But not a single sparrow can fall through the ground without your father knowing it. When the very hairs on your head are numbered. You know that? God knows how many hairs are on your head? No. That's what yeah, it says here. God knows everything, so yeah. Yep, so don't be afraid. You are more vulnerable, you are more valuable to God than a flock of sparrows. Everyone who acknowledge me, acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also not deny before my Father in heaven. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you give your life up for me, you will find it. Anyone who receives you receives me, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. 
If you receive a prophet as one who speaks of God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you are surely being, you will surely be rewarded. So even if we give a cup of cold water to someone that believes in God, he will reward us. All right, we're to chapter 11 now. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to the 12 disciples, he sent them out to teach and preach in the towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about these things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we be looking for someone else? So John the Baptist is wondering who, if Jesus is the real Messiah here. And Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who turn away, who don't turn away because of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. You were looking for a prophet. Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer to when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare the way before you. I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, None is greater than John the Baptist. Wow, so everybody in the Bible, none of them were greater than John the Baptist. Yet, even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So even the least person, the new people like, like us, the believers, we can be greater than John the Baptist now. And for the time, and from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses look forward to the present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one that the prophets said would come. Anyone who has ears should listen and understand. To what can I compare this generation? It is like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends. We played wedding songs and you didn't dance. And we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking and you say he's possessed by a demon. The son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. What? Yeah, Jesus is saying that when he came to earth, he was talking with sinners and hanging out with sinners and they were like, ooh, he's a sinner. And when John the Baptist was in the wilderness and praying all the time, they were like, oh, he's got a demon in him. So what Jesus was saying is that people are always going to say bad things about you. But if you're following what God says, you don't have to worry about what people say about you. Just keep doing what's right because they said stuff that was bad about Jesus and they said stuff bad about John the Baptist. 
Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they didn't repent from their sins and turn to God. So you can believe that? Some people actually saw Jesus healing the sick and they still didn't repent from their sin. They still didn't turn to God. They just saw him heal a blind person. They were like, eh, whatever, and went about their day. Isn't that crazy? Yep, but I already know it was God. It was God. What? Well, if you see him do a miracle, wouldn't you be like, hey, is this guy, does this guy know who God is and talk to him at least? They didn't even care. What sorrow awaits you, Corzin and Bathsheba? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in the wicked Tyre and Sidon, the people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their head to show their remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on the day of judgment than you. And if the people of Capernaum will, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on judgment day than you. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think of themselves wise and clever and for revealing it to those who, and revealing them to the childlike. So reveals it to people like you guys. Yes, Father, it has pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden, and the burden I give you is light. So Jesus says to follow him is not very hard. If we can just believe in him, it's pretty easy. All right, chapter 12, guys. At that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off the heads of grain and eating them. But the Pharisees saw them do it and protested. Look at the disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Jesus said to them, haven't you read the scriptures and what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. And haven't you read that in the law of Moses, the priest on the duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Dad? Yeah. John the Baptist. John the Baptist? Yeah. Yeah, he was preaching and telling people to repent from their sins. And choose Jesus. And then he was baptizing people and showing them how to live lives that were make Jesus happy. But at this time, they didn't have the 
Holy Ghost inside them. So God said, uh, yeah. I'm, Jesus hasn't sent become the Holy Ghost yet. Better than him because I'm going to send you to help them. So, so John the Baptist, I bet, yeah, I he would be a Christian. Yep, John the Baptist is a Christian. He was getting people ready for Jesus. He was like Jesus' right-hand man. But Jesus knew what they were planning, so he left the area, and many people followed him. He healed all that were sick among them. Everyone who was sick got healed again. But he warned them not to reveal who he was. This fulfilled the prophecy Isaiah said concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will pour my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nation. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crash the weak he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. And his name will be the hope of all the world. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus, and he healed the man so he could both speak and see. And the crowds were amazed and asked, Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracles, they said, No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. That's what they said about Jesus. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by <laughs> Satan, then what about your own exorcists? When they cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you said. But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. And who is powerful enough to enter a house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and plunder his house. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which can never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or the one to come. The tree, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit is good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak? What is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. But an evil person produces evil things. That's right. If you're bad, you're bad. From the treasury of their evil heart. And I tell you this. You must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Do you hear that, Saul? One day, we're going to have to answer to Jesus for every single word that comes out of our mouth. That's why it's important we don't get mad at the video game and call it stupid, right? Or the people. <laughs> or be mean to people. Yeah, or talk trash to right. people. 
One day, some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. And Jesus replied, Only an evil and adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Isn't that crazy that God says only an evil generation demands a miraculous sign? That's why we don't demand that Jesus does miracles. We believe he can do miracles, but we don't yeah. tell him, God, you better heal me right now to prove that you're real. That's what yeah. a, He says that's what an evil generation does. Yep, Saul's wearing an awesome outfit for all you people who can't see it. You got a gray camel outfit on with a Fortnite shirt. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. What's he talking about there? He's talking about him dying, isn't he? He said that's the only sign he's going to give him is he's going to be in the ground for three days and three nights. Yeah. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. The queen of Sheba will also stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it. For she came from the distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. When an evil spirit leaves a person and goes into the desert seeking rest and finding none, then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds the former home empty, swept, and in order. And the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they will all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. Wow. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside asking to speak to him. And someone told Jesus, your mother and your brother are outside and they want to speak to you. Listen to what Jesus says. Who is my mother? Who is my brother? When they pointed to, then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, this is my brother and my mother. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That's why we call other believers brother and sister, because Jesus said, anyone who's doing the will of God is your brother and your sister. Isn't that cool? Later that day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, and he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught the people who stood on the shore. He told them many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. So here comes a parable. Jesus loved to tell stories to get people to think about what he really wanted to show them. Listen, a farmer went out and planted seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on shallow soil. And with underlining rocks, oh, so it was shallow with rocks underneath it. The seed sprouted up quickly because of the soil was shallow, but the plant soon withered under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell along thorns, 
and they grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? And he replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. And this is, this is why I use these parables. For they look and they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. Did you guys catch that? What? That's like Jesus' hidden... That's like Jesus' hidden um, stories for us. He said, you guys are my people. When I give you these stories, they're for you as my children. Others will hear, but they won't have an understanding. But this is only for my chosen people. Yeah. When you hear it, I will give you that <laughs> understanding. That's so cool. Yeah. This fulfills with the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of the people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me, and let me heal them. Wow. So everything Jesus, everyone that turns to Jesus gets healed. But blessed are the eyes, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seeds that fell on a footpath represent those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed that falls on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately re receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long and they fall away as soon as they have problems and are persecuted for being believers of God's word. But the seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. But the seed that falls in good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as has been planted. And here was another parable. Here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seeds in the field. But at night, as the workers slept, the enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds grew. And the farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the fields that were planted with good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull all the weeds, they asked? No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let them both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and put the wheat in the barns. 
Here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in the field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes a large garden plant and it grows into a tree and birds come and have their nest in the branches. Jesus also used an illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman uses making bread. Even though she only puts a little bit of yeast in a in three measures of flour, it permeates through every part of the dough. Jesus always used stories to illustrate these whenever he was speaking to crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. These, This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Then the crowds... Then, leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, Please explain to us the stories of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people in the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. The angels will throw them into a fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears should listen and understand. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure a man discovered in a hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. So think about that. If you found a treasure in a field, he said he went and sold everything so he could buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the out on the lookout for a choice pearl when he discovers a pearl of great value he sold everything he owned and bought it that's what the kingdom of heaven is like so that's what it's like to live for god we should treat it like it's a treasure again the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that is thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the nets were full, they drug it up on the shore, sat down and sorted the good fish into crates and threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be in the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into a fiery furnace, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? Yes, they said, we do. And he added, every teacher of religious law who became a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storehouse new gems of truth as well as old. Then Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations. He left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogues, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter's son. We know Mary, his mother, and his brother James and Joseph, Simon, and Judas. 
So this is he went to his own hometown and they're like, man, we know him and we know his family. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn to do all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. The people in his hometown, like his family members, people that live by him. And so he did only a few miracles because of their unbelief. So you see how much unbelief can affect? Even Jesus could only do a few miracles because they didn't believe in him. Mary didn't believe in him? No, the other people in the town. They all knew who Mary was. They knew, they said, we know his wife and his mom and we know his sisters. We know all of his family. Where did he, how did he learn how to do miracles? And they wouldn't believe in him. Yep, they said, where does he get this power to do miracles? And then they didn't believe in him. Now we're going to read Matthew 14. When Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That's why he can do such miracles. For King Herod had arrested John the Baptist and imprisoned him as a favor to his wife Herodias the former wife of Herod's brother, Philip. So he married his brother's wife. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John because he was, but he was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet. But at a birthday party of Herod, Herodias's daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. At her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. Then the king regretted that he had, what he had said, but because of the vow that he had made in front of his guests, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in prison and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl. And who took it to her mother? Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what happened. Wow, that's what happened to John the Baptist, the greatest prophet who had ever lived. Did Jesus bring him back to life? No, let him go to heaven. Jesus is nice like that. Sometimes he lets people go to heaven. We view we view dying in earth as like a bad thing because we like our life here on earth, but we don't see things the way God sees things. God knew that heaven is where we really want to be. Heaven is our real home. Now we're going to read about Jesus feeding some more people. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and they followed him on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Then even the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them to me, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass, and Jesus took the loaves and the two fish, looked up towards heaven, 
blessed them, and then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to all the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. You believe that? And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers from five loaves and two fish. 12 baskets of the leftovers. And about 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. Holy, that's a lot of people, guys. And all of them ate and there was leftover and there was leftover food. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat across to the other side of the water, the lake. While he sent, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land. A strong wind had risen up, and they were fighting heavy waves. And about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on top of the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! They thought it was a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. You guys remember going out on the boat a couple weekends ago? Yeah. Can you imagine seeing someone walking on the water? And then being able to do it yourself? Wow. Hey, hey, if I saw somebody walking on the water, I'd say, look, God, God, look. Ah, you would think it was Jesus. Smart boy. Yeah. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, Peter was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Wow. Then he climbed back into the boat and the wind stopped and the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. After they crossed the lake, they landed in Genesaret. 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 That's a cool name. That's what the name of the city is. Genesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. And they they begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. So all who touched him were healed. You can't touch Jesus and not get healed. Isn't that amazing? And did you guys realize that the only reason why he sank in the water and couldn't walk on the water was because he didn't have enough faith? That's what Jesus said. You have little faith. Why did you doubt me? If he would have just kept believing in Jesus, he would have walked all over that water. Peter. But as soon as he started doubting Jesus, he started to sink in the water. And he got scared. He said, Lord, save me. And Jesus had to grab his hand and pick him up out of the water. And he said, why do you have such little faith? You should have believed in me. That's powerful. But what about the other guy? He was walking. Peter. That's what I'm talking about. Peter is the one who started to sink in the water when he started to doubt Jesus. Jesus never sank in the water. He couldn't doubt himself. All right, let's read on. Chapter 15. 
Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived in Jerusalem to see Jesus. And they asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. So they were making fun because they didn't wash their hands. And Jesus replied, And why do you, by the traditions, violate the direct commandments from God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of his father or mother must be put to death. You hear that, guys? You Better bet. honor your mother and father. But you say all it's all right for the people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I, I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say that you don't need to honor your parents. And so you you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own traditions. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commandments from God. Then Jesus called the crowd to him and wait, Jesus called the crowd to him and here Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. <laughs> then the disciples came to him, bless you, Saul, came to him and asked, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? And Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly father will be uprooted. So ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. <laughs> then Peter said to Jesus, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Don't you understand yet? Jesus asked. Anything you eat passes through your stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from your heart. What's, that's what defiles you. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Lying. Slandering somebody's name, speaking ill of someone, and it's not true. Yeah, it's kind of like trying to make someone look bad. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon, and it taunts her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then the disciples urged him, send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, please help me. And Jesus responded, It isn't right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. And she replied, That's true, Lord, but even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Wow, how beautiful the spirit. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, Your faith is great and your request is granted. Your daughter and her daughter was instantly healed. Wow, that's amazing. That she was willing to settle for a scrap from Jesus. She knew that even a crumb from Jesus' table would make her whole life better. 
Isn't that awesome? She was like, God, you don't even have to serve me a piece of the pie. I just want a crumb. Just give me a crumb, and that'll make everything better. That's why she had such great faith. Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat down. A vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, and those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. The crowds was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking, and the cripples were made well, and the lame were walking, and the blind could see again, and they praised the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, or they'll faint along the way. And the disciples replied, Where would we get enough food here in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? Are you serious? So they, he just fed them like he just a minute ago. All the bread. And, and the disciples can't figure it out. Jesus said, Ask, How much bread do you have? They replied, Seven loaves and a few small fish. So they got more bread this time and more fish this time than they had last time. Why no food? So Jesus fed 5,000 people with with five wow. with two loaves or five loaves and two fish. This time they got seven loaves and five small or a few small fish. But they took the 12. So yeah, but their belief still Yeah, so last time he fed blood. more people with less food. This time there's only 4,000 men there and he's got more food and the disciples are still asking him, "What are we going to do?" So Jesus told all the people, sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and fish, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, and gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowds. They all ate as much as they wanted, again. And afterwards, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were 4,000 men there who, fed that, who were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Then Jesus sent the people home, and he got into the boat and crossed over to the sea, the region of Magadan. Now, I want to read for, let me look back here for one second. When he, when he fed the first 5,000, how many baskets were left over? Twelve. Twelve baskets last time. This time there was only seven large baskets. Wow. So last time he had a lot more left over, and he still had less fish and let, you hear that, baby? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So the first time he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, and he had 12 baskets left over. The second time, he feeds 4,000, and he had seven loaves and a few fish, and he, only, and he had seven baskets left over the second time. So the first time, with less fish, he fed more people and had more leftovers. Yeah, because that's how powerful God is. He can take something tiny and make it huge. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, Dad, why did John go to jail? Because he was telling the king that what the king was doing was bad. And he was right. But people don't like hearing what they're doing is bad. And sometimes they try to kill God's prophets for telling them that. I thought maybe he went to jail because he was worshiping God. Well, that's it. He was worshiping God by speaking truth into the king's life, but it still got him killed. I think Sometimes we die to do what's right. All right, so let's move on to chapter 16. One day, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus, demanding that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. 
He replied, you know the saying, red sky at night means the weather is fair tomorrow, and red sky in the morning means foul weather all day long. You guys ever heard that saying? Nope. It actually goes red sun or red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sun in the morning, sailors take a warning. What that means is if you get up in the morning and there's a red sun, that means it's going to be bad weather all day long. But if you go if at night when the sun's going down, if it turns red at night, that means you're going to have good weather all day the next day. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. So he says, you know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. That's the second time he said that, that you're an adulterous, evil generation if you demand a sign. But the only sign I will give you is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Then Jesus left them and went away. Later, after they crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered that they had forgotten to bring any bread. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. At that, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said to them, You have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you understand even yet? Do you remember the 5,000 that I fed with five loaves and the baskets of leftovers that you picked up? So he fed 5,000 with five loaves and there was 12 baskets left over. Or the 4,000 that I fed with seven loaves and the large baskets of leftovers. There was seven baskets then. So he's like, with, little, with five loaves, I fed more people and had more leftovers. So why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? God ain't worried about bread. So again, I say, beware the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then at last they understood that he was not speaking about the yeast and bread, but about the deceptive teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's, that's wild, guys. Yeah. Then Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, who do you say that the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And in the King James Version, it says the Christ. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock. He changed his name to Peter, which means the rock. So, you know, we, we watch the movies with the rock in it. Yeah. Well, Peter was the first rock. He was the first people's champion. <laughs> and upon this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it, which in the King James, it says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So listen to that. We as Christians have the, king, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever we forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever we permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. 
That means if we allow things to happen here on earth, then God will let it happen. But if we if we don't want things to happen and we say, I, I condemn that, then God will condemn it with us. When he sternly, then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So you know how he talks about you have the power. You have the power. God said, ask it in my name and it'll be done. So yep. we don't have well, to we let want, things happen. Yeah, what we want to happen on earth, if we believe and we have faith, then God will be on our side and make things happen on earth that we want to have happen. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hand of the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would rise from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are danger you are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human's point of view and not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man... God is the one who wants you to save your soul. <laughs> For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing right here will not die before they see the Son of Man come in his kingdom. Chapter 17, guys. We're going to do a couple more and then we're going to get ready to stop. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appeared, appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials for you, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly beloved son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. And the disciples were terrified and fell on their face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And they looked up, and Moses and Elijah were gone. And they saw only Jesus. Then they went back down the mountain and Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the son of man has been raised from the dead. Then his disciples asked him, why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before Messiah comes? And Jesus replied, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. But I tell you, Elijah has already come and he wasn't recognized and they chose to abuse him. And in the same way, they will make the Son of Man suffer. Then the disciples realized that he was talking about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. And a man 
came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on me. My son has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and into water. So I brought him to you. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it lifted and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. After the disciples asked privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Because they had been casting out demons. So they thought it was weird they couldn't cast that one out. And what did Jesus say? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. So how do we get more faith? He says, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to that mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. For nothing would be impossible. And in another book, it says there, through prayer and fasting. Some things only come out through prayer and fasting. And that's how we increase our faith, is by praying and fasting, right? Mm -hmm. After they gathered together in Galilee, and Jesus told them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of the enemy. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. And his disciples were filled with grief. On their arrival to Capernaum, the collectors of the, ta of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house, but before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, What do you think, Peter? Do, do kings tax their own people or the people that they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend them, so go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the taxes for both of us. Can you imagine that? If you're fishing and you caught a fish and you opened his mouth, and there was a $20 bill in his mouth? <laughs> That's what Jesus did. He had money in the fish's mouth. Ow. Because he's God. He can do anything. Sure. Chapter 18. Why would he do that? Wouldn't he get all stopped? Yeah. Maybe God has a sense of humor. He thought it'd be funny to make a coin come out of a fish's mouth. The greatest in the kingdom. Chapter 18. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him. And put the child among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sin and become like a little child, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin... It would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better to enter into eternal life with one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away, 
It is better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Beware of what you look. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven there are angels always in the presence of our heavenly Father. Their angels are always in the presence of our heavenly Father. So it talks about if if people tempt people, little ones to sin. So if someone causes someone to sin, that they would be better for them to be killed. And then Jesus says, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off. You know what he means by that? If you're, you love your hand and your foot, you use your hands, you love your hands. So what he was saying is if, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. But what if your friend tells you to drink? Or your friend tells you to do something bad like steal? Cut off your head. Cut off your friendship. Cut off your friendship with that person. Something because it would be better for them to be thrown into the, into the fire or into the depths of the sea than for them to cause you to sin. So if someone's trying to get you to sin, you better cut them off. Because it's better to go to heaven without your friends than to go to hell with your friends, right? Parable of the lost sheep. This is a good one here, guys. If a man has a hundred sheep and one wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hill and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly father's will that one of these should perish. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. If you are unsuccessful, Take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Wow. So if two people agree in something, God will do it for them. For where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. Wow, that's powerful. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with a servant who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay his master, so he ordered that he be sold along with his wife and children and everything they owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to his 
fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But the collector wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset and they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man in and had, that he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you the tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? When the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That's good, guys. Then Jesus had finished saying these things. He left Galilee and went down to the region of Judah, east of the Jordan River. Large crowds followed him there, and he healed their sick. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with a question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They recorded that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his mother and father and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then, then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? They asked. And Jesus replied, Jesus, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries somebody else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said to him, if this is the case, it is better not to marry. Not everyone can, ex can accept this statement, Jesus said. Only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs, and others have been made eunuchs by others. And some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let everyone accept this who can. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on the children and blessed them before he left. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. In, in the King James it says, there is none good but one, and that is God. So he says, why are you asking me if I'm good? God is the only one that's good. If you want eternal life, keep the commandments. Which one, the man asked. Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your mother and father and love your neighbor as yourself. Let's testify falsely. Like lying. If you testify about something, you tell what you know. So don't tell what you know in a wrong way. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? And Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, 
Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into heaven. You know the little bitty hole on the needle that you put the thread through? The little bitty hole on the end of a needle that you stick the thread through? That's called the eye of the needle. He said it would be easier for a camel to go through that. <laughs> but, now listen to this though. Jesus looked at them intently. Oh, wait a minute. The disciples were astonished. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them intensely and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. You guys know that? Everything's possible with God. Then Peter said to him, We've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? And Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon the glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. And in the King James, it says, shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. And though, but many who are the greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem important, least important now will be the greatest then. Isn't that awesome, guys? So, yeah. God will make the people who give up everything for him very blessed. We're going to stop right now. Let's say a little prayer, and then we'll say goodbye. You guys ready? You guys can pray along with us. Bow your head and close your eyes. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow us to let your word be a light in our path, God, and a bright light in our heart, God, that the world can see and be amazed at how wonderful you treat your children, God. We want to be a shining example to everyone around us, God, that when we dedicate our life to God, he gives us a life that is unbelievable, Lord. We worship you and praise you for everything, Lord. Let everyone who listens to this accept you into their heart today, God, and make a difference in their life. Because just like we've been reading, you can't touch Jesus without being healed. I thank you for everything, God. I worship and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody. We'll be back next time. Finish up the book of Matthew. Bye. See you later. Have a blessed one. Bye-bye. Have a good night.